Happy Mother's Day. And also with you. I don't know. What are you supposed to say back, right? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, we're really glad you're here. We're really glad you could worship with us. There's still some people looking for a way in, so if you yeah. can scoot in, that would help. Um, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, and, and hey, shout out to my mom. I can do that, right? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I hope you figure out that personal computer and you can download this and, and hear happy birthday from me. I know you don't have a smartphone, so you can't have the app because that would be way too much technology. But happy Mother's Day. I love you. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all our moms. I'm doing this little three-week thing on uh, kids. Uh, Bring it home is what we're calling it. And we're doing this. And some of you are going to be like, you know what? No, there's a pile of people that want to get in. Keep on scooting in, you guys. Come on, do it. Please, please, help them out. Scoot in. Scoot this way. Get up off your behind and move over, okay? (laughs) I don't know how to say it any nicer. Happy Mother's Day. Get up. Move, Okay. (laughs) Um, cause look at all those people need to get in, try to find some place to go. Uh, why am I doing this parenting series? Some of you are like me. You're like, I'm an empty nester. I don't care about parenting anymore. I know I get that. Some of you are single. You don't get, I understand that, but here's the deal. And I'll tell you why it's a football reference. Even though we're using a baseball theme, it's a football reference. We got some up over here. You guys got some up over here on this side. Um, Anybody see that ESPN special last week on when they finally moved the goalpost off the end zone line, off the goal line? Did anybody see that? Uh, any weird women that watch ESPN or guys? It was the greatest special because do you realize that it was not, I had to look this up, 1974, when they finally moved the goalpost off the goal line back to the back of the end zone. It was 1974. They did it in college football in 1927. So for 50 years, guys are getting out of college, getting into the NFL, running into the end zone to try to catch a pass, boom, running into the goalpost because it's sitting right there on the goal line. It's like wheels on luggage. Why did it take so long for us to figure this out, right? And as I'm sitting there watching this, I mean, it's just hilarious. One after another, just people running in, running in, boom, boom, boom. And finally, some brain surgeon goes, hey, let's move it back like college football. And then maybe people won't die when they're trying to play football. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, that's the reason why we're doing this series. That's the reason why I want to spend a couple of weeks. It may not, you may not be a parent. You may, may not matter to you at this point. But what I see going on in the 21st century is I see a whole lot of dumb things that we do to get in the way of children being who God wants them to be. And kids in the 21st century, you got to admit, when you look around, kids are running into the goalposts all over and over and over again. So our goal is to try to move the goalposts back, get everybody thinking about how we can do life better as people, as a society, so that kids can grow up and, and they can have the life that God designed them to be, to have. Okay. Uh, welcome my wife, Denise, who is going to team teach with me today. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. She, she's not that awesome, but thank you. Um, <laughs> here's my quote from Forrest Whitcraft. Throw this up here, okay? A hundred years from now, it will not matter what my bank account was, what sort of house I lived in, what kind of car I drive. It'll, the world will be different because I was important to the life of a child. That's our theme. That's what we're doing here, okay? And by the way, if you're a guy, we're going to have a, a men's breakfast on June 2nd. Bill and I are going to do a Q&A time. We're going to talk about some fathering and parenting and husbanding things if you want to come and join us for that. But the deal with this is 
this is my wife, Denise. She's almost a perfect mom. I am way far from being a perfect dad. We're not like up here going like we're the model parents and we know what to tell you. Our kids are turning out pretty well because of a lot of prayer, a lot of counseling, and a lot of Dimetap. Okay? Am I right? Okay. So here's your tweet bite for the day. I'm T.L. Harlow on Twitter. Like Jesus said, follow me. T.L. Harlow. Here we go. Here's your tweet bite. I know you think we're like Ozzy and Harriet, but really we're like Ozzy and Sharon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Listen, we know that Mother's Day is really hard for some of you out there because either you've lost your moms or possibly been a mom who has lost a child or your mom is in ill health and you find yourself having to be the parent to your mom. I've kind of had to be in that situation in the last year a few times. Very, very hard. Some, some moms have kids with severe disabilities. Um, it's, it's a tough day for some, some moms. But uh, anyway, what this day is about, though, is going forward, moving the goalpost, as you right. said, and really looking forward ahead and seeing what we can do right. Um, I even have some friends um, who aren't able to have children for one reason or another, but you know what? You have so much influence on the kids around you. So it's not just about that. So think broader than just your own children, if you would. But one thing that we did do right as parents is we learned. We continually wanted to learn. We never thought, oh, we have this figured out. Because when you think you do, then you enter a new stage, of mm-hmm. course, as mm-hmm. you all know. So, um, stages. definitely. Um, we had kids that were not perfect. Some people think that, but they were not perfect. They sassed us. They argued with us. They fought our rules, all kinds of things. And this is awkward because one of them's in here in this I service. Know. I hadn't she's, really thought about she's, that. She was the perfect one, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. She was <laughs> Perfect middle child, yes. That's right, I forgot. Um, And then sometimes one of them might be going through a stage that you think, ooh, this is not good. We do not like what we're seeing. I'm sure some of you have been there. And so we would call it Operation Crackdown. (laughs) And we we would do that and um, change our behavior Mm -hmm. and our parenting. And if we didn't know what to do, we would study and learn what to do to fix this particular behavior. So we always had intentional parenting. I think that is very, very important. Um, We attended... I attended MOPS, um, which is our Mothers of Preschoolers Ministry, which really taught me so much about parenting. Also went to a lot of seminars. We read lots of books along the way. And speaking of, uh, we have have some books available for you out there, okay, including two brand new books by my friend Dave Stone, who preaches here almost every year, pastor of the Southeast Church in Louisville. And guys, they're really little small. They call them gift books. They're small enough for a guy to read, okay? So you might you might want to are look. they on audio for guys? They, they probably are. I don't know, but you know you could actually crack a book every once in a while. There's several resources for you out there. That's something that we really wanted to be able to do. And so today, what we decided to do was to go back to one of our favorite resources. Now that we're at the end of the child rearing years in our life, we decided to go back to one of our favorite resources. This is one of the books that we've gone back to over and over again. It's a book that we've taught from that I've taught from uh, multiple times over the years. Here, it's just funny how different it is at, at different stages for you. It's a book called The Blessing, one of the best parenting books ever, The Blessing. Uh, Gary, Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote this book, and it's, it's about the scriptural idea of passing the blessing on to your children, okay? Really important. And it started back uh, with the story of Isaac 
And he had these twins named Jacob and Esau. And he passed the blessing on to Jacob and Esau, which is a funny story because uh, Esau was the first twin out, okay? So the, the, first twi- the first oldest child got a double blessing. They, got the, they were like the, they were like the, the uh, power of attorney. They were like the, the person who was going to be in charge of the family was the oldest one because the oldest children are always the most special. Am I right? I don't think so. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. One shout out. One oldest child in the whole crowd. Great. Okay. The rest um, of us are younger. Yeah. Well, the babies come to 11. Great. Okay. Whatever. Here's the, here's the thing. Esau was supposed to get the blessing and Jacob stole it from him, which is kind of a funny story. Really funny because Jacob and Esau are the opposite of identical twins. The Bible says that Esau was rough and hairy. Okay. He was the rugged guy. Right. And, um, and he was the guy who had to shave his back, okay? And, and Jacob was, um, how do I say, metro. Let's call it metro. Jacob was smooth, okay? So Jacob and his mom, they did, <laughs> didn't know it was in the Bible. But this, this, <clears throat> Jacob and his mom decided they were going to steal the birthright from Esau. I don't, know, I don't know why they thought they could do it. They did it. They pulled it off. But Jacob had to put animal skin on his arms and had to make himself smell like he was an outdoorsman, which I guess is bad body odor or whatever. And he goes in and he, and he literally goes before his dad and tricks his dad into giving him the blessing. And I'll, and I'll read it for you out of Genesis 27. Here's what I want you to understand. I want you to listen to the blessing when, it, when it's given by Isaac. And I want you to listen to Esau when he realizes he's not getting the blessing and just understand how important this blessing is. Okay. So, uh, Jacob goes in impostering himself as being an imposter as Esau. And he said, my son, Isaac said, give me some of your gain to eat so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and he drank. And his father, Isaac said to him, come here, my son and kiss me. So he went and kissed him. And I think Isaac was like, you don't sound like Esau, but I'm confused. So he said, come over here and kiss me. And when he came over, when Isaac caught the smell, uh, you know, when he caught the smell of his son, he said, oh, the smell of my son, which I heard a lot from my mom. Oh, <laughs> the smell. But this was good. But oh, this was from the animal, animal skin. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, he, he was doing a good job faking it. All oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. This is the way it was supposed to be. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. And he too prepared some food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac said, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Bless me too, my father. You see what happens? That you see the, the difference between having the blessing of your parent, having the blessing of somebody, and not having it. That's what we want to talk about today. Christian psychologists Gary Smalley and John Trent say, no matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself <clears throat> and your ability to pass that along to children, to your children. 
And many people spend a whole lifetime looking for this acceptance and what the Bible calls the blessing. And the world talks about helping your kids develop good self-esteem. We hear that all the time, but the Bible's concept goes so much deeper. So there are five primary areas of the blessing. And here's what, I mean, there's five things. I don't expect you to get all five or go work on all five. What I'm hoping is that out of this, there'll be something. There'll be one thing and you could say, whether you're done parenting or you're not parents or whatever, you say, there's one thing, there's one relationship, a niece, a nephew, there's some kids in my neighborhood, there's some kids at church, whatever. One thing that I'm going to work on. All right. But it'll give you the five of them, the five parts of the blessing. The first one started with meaningful touch. Notice he went to him and kissed him. Okay, and, and I want to tie this back to Jesus and the way Jesus blessed the children so that those of you who aren't parents can go, okay, well, Jesus wasn't a parent, but he blessed the children too. There's a, there's a tie into this. When they brought the G- children to Jesus, it says he put his hands on them so that he could pray for them. And he took them in his arms and he held them, put his hands on them and he blessed them. Jesus was the master at this physical touch and, and, and the blessing and passing on the blessing. One of my favorite stories about Jesus and touch is from the man with leprosy. I mean, you, you, you understand leprosy was a highly contagious, communicable disease. You didn't touch anybody. You didn't get close to anybody that had leprosy. And in Mark 1, a guy with leprosy comes to Jesus, and, and, and he comes before Jesus, and he wants to be healed. He says, if, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, I love that phrase, filled with compassion. He was filled with compassion. Listen to the order. This is important. He reached out his hand, and he touched the man and said, I'm willing. And then he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Notice Jesus didn't heal him. I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, ooh, leprosy. Okay, I heal you. Now let me give you a hug, right? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus put his hand on him. He said, listen, I accept you exactly the way you are because that's who Jesus was. I accept you. I love you. I'm going to put my hand on you and then I'm going to heal you. And understand, you know, like he mentioned, leprosy was a communicable disease. So to touch a leper was unthinkable. I mean, nobody did it. In fact, when lepers were out, they were supposed to yell at other people, unclean, unclean. unclean, unclean yeah. So they stayed away. So it's really a very sad and lonely life for a lap, for the leper. And in fact, it's likely that this man had not had meaningful touch yeah, think about that. for years. I mean, possibly even decades, if you think about it. So that touch from Jesus yeah. was so um, meaningful. Jesus recognized what he needed. Mm-hmm. He, he touched the man before healing him to prove his value, and, and it, was, it was so meaningful. And honestly, in, in our day, to relate that, when we went to Africa a few years ago, we walked into the slums of Nairobi, and you would see these Where, little children. I don't know, what, 60% of the people have AIDS, yeah, something you, like that. You would see the little children with the yellow eyes, and, and, and you knew they had AIDS, and, 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 and you did. You stopped for a second and thought as they reached out to you and reached up to you, but you thought, you know, I need to love and touch this child, and you, you would pick them up and hold them, and they were just so think about hungry it. for it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's. I mean, who who's picked those kids up in a long yeah. time? Uh, and by the way, just uh, the FYI for you here, we're going to next February try to take a hundred people to Africa, to Kenya. We're going to take a big church trip. We'd love medical personnel especially, but mm-hmm. want to start prepping you for that because we're going to take a big trip over there. Yes, meaningful touch. It communicates warmth, affection, affirmation, acceptance. But on the other hand, I mean, if you think about it, the absence 
a physical touch can produce loneliness and resentment and insecurity in so many people. Dr. Mark Holland interviewed scores of women who had had three or more unwanted pregnancies, and overwhelmingly, these women said that they were consciously aware that sexual activity was a price to be paid for being held. Hmm. So there, our kids need the physical touch, and, and they're going to hit years where they seem like or act like they don't want it, especially junior high, mm-hmm. um, but don't stop. Um, they just be wise they'll about not embarrassing <clears throat> them and, you know, the sensitive years, but they'll eventually come back around. I mean, you all know this, but from gently holding a child to rubbing their faces while tucking them in at night, which is something we always tried to do every night with our kids, mm-hmm. to a kiss on the cheek, to a high five, to a hug, anything just says you're important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, meaningful touch is an essential part of healthy emotional development in people. So it's, it's part of that passing on the blessing. One of the worst investments we made in our marriage was a waterbed. <laughs> Anybody, right? Wasn't that the dumbest thing ever invented? Wheels on luggage, move the goalpost, but waterbed, that was a bad idea. Because you could never get the temperature right. You know what I'm saying? I was either hot or she was sleeping oh, in a parka. I freezing. mean. It was a sexy parka, but she was sleeping in a parka. It just wasn't good, okay? The, the upside of a waterbed, I'll just say this, was that it provided a wrestling mat for us. Uh, me and my three daughters. I have three daughters, and, uh, and we would go up after dinner. If I was around, didn't have something else, we'd go up. I can't tell you how many nights we would spend up on the, let's go wrestle on the waterbed. And what we would do is we'd go up and we'd wrestle and we'd play these games. Lauren, the, the one who's here, the middle child had that, you know, middle child syndrome. So she always wanted to be the mommy. So she was the mommy and Rachel and when Becca came along and I would all be the kids and we would act like we were just going to sleep and I'd be the ornery brother. And Lauren would always kick into this weird falsetto voice. Okay, kids, it's time for you to go to bed. <laughs> Sound like Mickey Mouse. It was weird. I must have talked like that or something. Maybe, maybe that know. was a problem. <laughs> and, and we would wrestle and we would hug and we would kiss. And that was one. The second place that was uh, uh, probably you medical professionals are going to hate me for saying it was the trampoline. The trampoline was fantastic for us because, and this is before they had nets around them, man. We were living on the edge, I want to tell you. I had strict rules. Yeah, whatever. She had rules. (laughs) And, And... And sometimes we followed them. And, and, but what, here's the deal. Unless you were an Olympic athlete, you're going to get tired on a trampoline in about three minutes. You know, like, dung, dung, dung. okay, I'm tired. And we'd lay down and we'd wrestle and we'd hug. I mean, and, and it wasn't like, oh, come here, let me hold you. It was like, let's tickle, let's wrestle, let's do. But that physical touch is communicating so much to them, especially dads to your girls. I mean, so, so, so important. Well, moms carry babies nine months, so for the most part, women seem to be a little more emotionally connected to their kids. So it is tougher for dads. Yeah, I think and so. And so speaking of being so pregnant. So we, uh, we made you a pregnant video, moms. Um, we actually made two funny spoof videos off of some current songs. The other one you'll hear as, this, as the service is over. Uh, this is just a tribute to you moms and your pregnancy. And and just a side note on that, since I'm the worship department director, I have the inside scoop on everything. (laughs) Sheree Hunt, um, our Lockport campus pastor, Brian Hunt's wife, was supposed to be in this video. Well, their baby went and 
got born Went too early. Uh, Easton Robert Hunt was born April Named after the a baseball bat. Don't you love that? His name is a baseball <laughs> bat. I'm so glad he's not Spalding or Yeah, but Rawlings congratulations or... to them. Yay. Um, Nicole yay Popovich us. and her husband, Matt, from Lockport Campus were Thank so nice to fill in. in for us. And our worship leader over at Lockport, Kevin West and his wife, Sarah, had a baby girl. <laughs> Adeline Brooke West, just a few weeks before that, Adeline's there. And, so the moral uh, of the story is be careful walking over to the Lockport campus. There's something going on over there. Yes, they, absolutely. Be careful. They're pregnant and they know it. Yeah. Man. Now, a second step in the uh, process of the blessing is the spoken word. It's, it begins with encouraging words. Genesis 27, 29 says, May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. And Matthew 19, 13 says, Little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. And Mark said in verse 16 that Jesus blessed them, which indicates a verbal blessing from Jesus. And we have to constantly build up our kids because society and the world is just always tearing them down. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has power of life and death. And the scripture, uh, another scripture describes our tongue as like a rudder controlling a ship. Well, you can think of it uh, like us steering the ship of our child in the direction they need to go. And if you watch at a ball game or anything and the kid makes a mistake, where do they look? They look up at mom and dad to see if they've got their approval or their anger mm. or whatever it is. So, um, no, you're not mad at them. They just absolutely. need to know that you care about them. It's very obvious stuff. They need that affirmation. So never pass up an, an opportunity to encourage your child because it's just incredible motivation. Um, but it's not only... You know, for the kids, it's for your grandkids. Right. It's for the kids in your life, nieces, nephews, and the kids at church. That is so critical. You guys can impact thousands and thousands of children here. So you need to stop and, and notice when kids are doing good things around our church building and our church life. Mark Twain said, I could live for two months on a good compliment. Isn't that true? I mean, there's enough people telling us all the dumb things, all the things that are wrong. Um, we need somebody speaking positive things into our life. Well, and you can focus these words of affirmation on their personality because that is unique to them. Um, you are so steady and dependable or, oh, I like the way you think. You are so smart or you are... I love the way you encourage people. You are so good at that. So use the tongue for good. Third thing is to attach high value. Um, what do I mean by that? That you attach high value. You say, look, I, I think you're important, okay? I think that there's stuff that that's God's got for you that's bigger than what you can see. In Genesis 27, back to Isaac's blessing, he said, May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. And to bless in the Hebrew literally meant to bow the knee. What you're saying is, well, we, I want to bless you. I want to bow myself to you and, and bring you up. I want to become lower so that you can become higher. This is what Jesus, again, did over and over again didn't he? Um, Jesus said, bring the children to me. I mean, in that day it was be seen and not heard. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And what he was doing was attaching value to them and, and to their honesty, to their purity and saying, look at the good character qualities in these children and let's be like them. So how do you do that? Well, there's some obvious ways that you can attach high value to your kids. Number one is you got to spend time with them. 
I get so tired of hearing the quality versus quantity argument. Here's what, here's what your kids need from you. They need a lot of quant- quality time. That's what they need. They need a big quantity of quality time. And, and that was one of the things I think moms that you've got to figure out how to help your husbands figure out how to do. I mean, I was always, you know, I got all these things going on and she was the one that said, look, we need to do this. You need to be home here. Here's the schedule. She would put their stuff on my calendar so that I would know what was going on it's because spending time with them was important. And it even got to the point where last year when Becca was a senior and she was already 18 and she had her car and a job and, you know, she had her own life and, and she was barely in our house anyway. I would, I would try to get Denise to come with me and, you know, go on some of the trips that I have to go on. And she said, you know what? I'll go with you next year. I, 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 Becca will be out of the house next year. Right now she needs me. I'm like, she doesn't even know you're there. I, I, I don't even, I don't even get that. And, and you know what, looking back on it, she was absolutely right. That's exactly what needs to happen. Um, the second thing that we do, we spend time with them. We share their interests and parents. This is not always easy. Again, I had three, uh, daughters. Okay. I had three daughters and they liked music. Okay. So, you know, it took a little work for me to share their interests. I mean, I just got to be honest with you. You know what? I mean, seriously, Little Women's not my favorite movie. I know that might come as a shock to you, but I've seen Little Women more than I've seen Braveheart and Gladiator put together. I just want you to know that. As a matter of fact, my time has finally come. I will tell you that at this point, I don't have to do that anymore. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, my wife went to the Lincoln Way East musical to see some of your kids in the musical, and I stayed home and watched a movie. Yeah, I did. Because I don't really care about your kids, okay? That's all I... I'm done. I do. They were I'm great. I'm done. I'm sure they were wonderful, but I am in a musical free zone right now, my friends. I'm sure my grandkids will be a music man and off to crack out the 76 trombones and a marching band again. But for right now, I'm happy. Um, it, but back in the day, I had to do it. Okay. You got to, you got to share their interests. And the fun part is, you know, as I watch them grow and, and develop, um, our daughter Rachel will be in concert here next Sunday night because we followed her music career and we were interested in it. And, uh, and it's just, it's just a fun. Are you going to that? <laughs> Depends on what's on television. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm going to go to that. It's also about nonverbal things. Okay. We spend time with them. We share their interests and their nonverbal things like listening to them, like putting down the laptop laptop or the cell phone and listening to them. My favorite, favorite story of that is Franklin Roosevelt. He was an honorary president. The true story of Franklin Roosevelt. He got tired of people coming by and shaking his hand and having meaningless conversation with people upon people upon people. So one day, it's a true story. He, as people walked down the line, he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <clears throat> Sure enough, people just walked by, you know, they shook his hand. I murdered my grandmother this morning. They say, oh, you're doing a great job, Mr. President. Good to meet you, Mr. President. Only one guy, one foreign diplomat just said, well, I'm sure she had it coming to her and went right on it. (laughs) Don't you hate it when when you're talking to somebody and they're not listening to you? Don't you hate it when you're talking to your kids and they're texting on their stupid cell phone? Okay, well, guess what? They feel the same way about you, all right? So we attach high value to them by focused attention for them. We do it by granting them privileges as they grow older. I remember the first time I got to ride my bike to 7-Eleven. I was old enough. My parents said, we trust you. The first time I got to take a car on a trip by myself, all those things. Uh, Those are ways that 
we attach high value to them. You need to get your kids, let your kids go on an overnighter with the, with the youth group or the junior high group. Get them on a mission trip. Let them go to CRY. Do those things where they can, you can grant them privileges and say, listen, I really believe in you. I'm attaching high value to you. And sometimes that's tough. I mean, when the first one who went, I think it was Lauren, who went to Czech Republic, which is very far away, two-week mission trip. You weren't going to have much contact with them, but I knew I trusted God. I knew I trusted her, and I trusted our youth sponsors. And these trips are life-changing to them. So, yeah, give them those privileges. Um, then the next thing that we can do is picture a special future for our kids, which this means seeing the potential in Specific them. potential, not just high value, but what is the specific thing that they have in their Absolutely. life? Absolutely. The whole blessing from Isaac to Jacob is about how grand his future would be. Mm-hmm. And Genesis 27, 28 and 29 says, may God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. And again, Jesus did the same thing. Um, he said in Mark ten fifteen, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never in- enter it. And we often talk about this verse and how it affects us grown-ups, but think about the child that was probably pulled aside when Jesus said it, and they felt so special, and wow, I'm the model for these grown-ups. Jesus saw the potential in them to achieve the highest goal of life. Peter is a good example of that. I talked about that at Easter time, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus says, your name is, you know, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you the rock. And Peter wasn't the rock at that point. Mm-hmm. Peter still got out of the boat and failed. He still failed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He still failed around the fire at Caiaphas's tomb or Caiaphas's house. All of those things. He kept being unrock-like. After Jesus named him the rock. So why did Jesus do that? I believe Jesus did that because he could see the rock potential in Peter. And so he said, listen, I'm going to call you a new name. That's what I'm talking. That's, that's understanding what their special purpose is going to be in their life. What the, how you can picture a special future for them and who they're supposed to be. Well, your children will likely follow the path that you um, set before them or help them find, but not always. I mean, they do have free will just like we do with God. So that may not happen, but we have the best opportunity to mold them. As the illustration last weekend we saw with the gumballs. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And sadly, some children grow up hearing such negative, negative things things, like you'll never amount to anything. You're so stupid. And they grow up believing these things. Instead, when they're little, we need to reinforce positive characteristics. You are such a good encourager or you have such a kind heart. You were so brave at the doctor today. And just keep saying those things. Look for the good things. Absolutely. And it might be even in their future career that you've got to bring those things out. You are so good with people. You would make such a good doctor. Or you explain things so good that um, you make a great snapping teacher. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're so good with children. That's what Becca wanted to be when she grew up, a snapping teacher. I don't know. Sorry, sidetrack. But you're so good with... Wow, you like have ADD or something. Yeah, I don't know. Can't take her Um, anywhere. But you're good with explaining things. So you make a great teacher. Uh, You have a way with animals. You'd make a great veterinarian. You got a big mouth, you'd be a good preacher. That's what my mom used to say. (laughs) 
I'm just saying. <laughs> so casting a vision for what our kids can become is, is just so crucial because we have the opportunity to set the tone for their whole future and for their, their eternal destiny as well. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So moms and dads, it's just so important that we picture a dynamic future for our children. And it's not about being a baseball star or a famous musician or, or even a doctor. It's about the plans that God has in store Helping for them. them. figure out what that is. Absolutely. And we might, might do that in various ways, but one of the ways that we found very positive for that was serving together serving together, like families have set up the Christmas Eve candles together, or served in Kids Connection together. Mm-hmm. Um, we took missions trips with our girls, which was so meaningful. Yeah, yeah. and it just fun. helps them picture this dynamic future with them. Anything that we do together like that attaches a high value to them. Um, I'm going to show you a video because it's a perfect, cheesy Mother's Day, make you cry kind of video. That's what we're supposed to do this day. And it's from Britain's Got Talent. Um, it's another one of those Susan Boyle kind of stories. It's this overweight, kind of awkward 16-year-old boy. And it's not his parents. This is why I wanted to show you this, because this is not about a mom. This is not about a dad. I don't know about his parents. It's about a friend. And I'm going to show you this. Some of you are nodding already. You've seen this. He gets on this show because he's got a friend who believes in him. And this is, this is my prayer for all of the children of the world. If somebody could just believe in them, imagine what could happen. And I want you to pay, pay special attention to the look that he gives his friend at the end of this when he realizes that he's done it. Charlotte and Jonathan. Okay. Um, you thought the combination would work. Whose idea was it? Um, it was our singing teachers, actually. She thought it'd be good to try us out together. Okay, you're not saying much, Jonathan. <laughs> Are you shy? Uh, sometimes. I've always had sort of problems with my size since I, I can remember. When, when people would say something to me, I'd just... It'd just take a little piece out of me, in a sense. Charlotte's been a really big help for me in terms of confidence, and I really don't think I'd be going up on stage today if I didn't have Charlotte by my side. Do you think you could win? Yeah, together. Yeah. All right, good luck.
Is that awesome? I Come love on. That. Who doesn't love that? The look that he gives her is like, wow, you believed in me and we did it. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. That's the prayer. The fifth component to the blessing is active commitment. Okay? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And we've got to commit ourselves to the best interest of our children. And I'm not saying that the, that the home should be child-centered. It should be God-centered and then marriage-centered and then child-centered. But, but you've got to give an active commitment to your kids. And I'll just give you two areas that are pretty obvious. The first one is prayer. Um, the part in the last wedding ceremony I had for a daughter, which was last May, the part that choked me up that I wasn't prepared for was when I looked at Ash and realized that this was the boy that I have been praying for daily since the day my daughter was born. I had no idea he lived in England. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who he was, but I've been praying for him. And I've been praying for Tommy Carreras all of his life as well. And I've been praying for whoever it is that marries Becca. And I've been praying for our kids. And we've been praying for our kids every day. And we pray together as a family. And I know you think we have hour and a half devotions every night because we're the pastor's family. And little birds come and they bring in little things to us. And it's it's not like that, you guys. I promise it's Ozzy and Sharon. But listen, it you got to pray together as a family around a meal, around sometimes, and understand that. That's one way you show active commitment. And the other one is resources. It's just, I mean, it's resources. It's your time. It's your energy. And, hey, it's your money. I mean, it's not enough to say, I encourage you to be a great pianist someday. you got to pay for them to have lessons. And you got to take them to the lessons. And, you know, sit there during, sit the, there lessons. during the lessons. And they may <laughs> put the trumpet in the basement and never play it again. But it's okay, honey. It's all right. It's good. I, those were good times, okay? We're going to active commitment. And, and Lauren just graduated from a, a private Christian college last weekend. And all three of mine have done that. It's resources, too. It's money. I, I mean, it really is. And, and I'll just say this about education. For for us, the public school education as they were young was great. And then when they went off, going to a Christian college was great for us. That's been a great thing. for. Doesn't, I don't know what it's going to be like for you. Maybe you need a Christian school for them earlier. There are some great ones out there. Um, but you're going to have to, they're going to have to be an active commitment in prayer and in resources. And by the way, for the children of the world... Uh, it will take resources. And next weekend, we're going to be doing a Compassion Weekend and uh, our Africa Weekend. Where you're going to have uh, children out there from Ecuador, where we're planting a church, and children out there from Africa, where we've already been working for a long time to be able to sponsor them because we believe that that's and really important. you could do this as a family. Yeah, that this would be a great, a great idea for you to be able to do. To write do them it. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom line is, Smalley and Trent say this. No one is more equipped to encourage, support, and motivate children than we are, okay? And, and therefore, we must be, here's the word, intentional. We must be intentional about bestowing the blessing on them. And that is our prayer for you. And God bless you, moms. We honor you today. This is for you. Um, we're going to get ready for communion now. Let me just tell you this. Um, bless your children while you got the chance. Okay. As I was working on this last week, it was Wednesday morning, I was in my office and I got a window that looks over the parking lot. Um, they gave me the best view, you know, and uh, I, I'm looking over the parking lot and all the mops moms are coming out with their preschoolers. And, and I'm thinking, you know, this was a week ago. I'm thinking, I remember that being yesterday. And this weekend we were going to celebrate our daughter's, our middle daughter's graduation from college. 
And our oldest daughter turns 25 next week. And, and I'm thinking, how did it happen this fast? Now they're getting married. Like every year, one of them's getting married. And it's like, it's like when you first start having kids, there's all these first things going on. You know, there's the first, the first walk, the first words, the first, look, mommy, I went poopy in the toilet. The first, you know, all the first day of school, first music lesson, first baseball game, first day of high school, first driving lesson with dad, first kiss, first, date, all those things, you know, that are going together. And then all of a sudden, it's all about the last. It's about the, the last day of school, the last day at home, the last day of being a Harlow. Harlows are dropping like flies around here. And that scene from Father of the Bride, I promise you it'll happen. That scene from Father of the Bride will pop into your head as it does mine over and over again. And you start to think about that scene where they're playing basketball because she can't sleep. It's her last day to sleep in the house and be, you know, in their family. And, and all of a sudden, all these things are starting to happen, which is why as you go from the firsts to the lasts, you need to make sure that you're giving your children something that will last. Jesus said, the man who builds his house on the rock, even though the storms are going to come, even though it's not going to be easy, the rains will come, it will stand firm because it's on the firm foundation. What you need to figure out how to do is to bless your children. And we need to figure out how to bless the children of the world so that they can understand the foundation of the rock, so that they can have the blessing of God in their lives. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are living in the truth. At some point, they're going to go off, trust me, and it's important that you've given them God in every way that you possibly can. So I'm going to have my wife come up at this point. She's going to pray for us. We're going to do communion. And and here's the deal on this, okay? Um, Even if your parents didn't give you the blessing, even if you didn't have an excellent father, as the Taylor Swift song said, or if you, you didn't have a mom that passed on the blessing to you, the blessing is from God, and it can happen in your life right now. In this very moment, at this sacramental time, when we do communion, the blessing of God can come down straight upon you if you will just open up your heart to it. And uh, I've asked Denise to pray for us right now. Father God, we are just so grateful that uh, we have this chance to come to you and just say thank you because you are the perfect parent. And and uh, I know I've been so far from that, uh, messing up so many things in my parenting and others here have lived with guilt or regret in that area, but... Uh, Father, we just thank you that you are just perfect, and you give us a chance for a fresh start through Jesus. I pray for a blessing to come down on each person here who's opened their heart to you, that you would just fill them up, and may they just feel your love and your mm. blessing on their life. We thank you for Jesus and him laying down his life for us so that we can experience grace and forgiveness and and a new start in our life. And just help us to live in the truth and, and, and show you our gratitude and our love just by walking with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.